Well, tonight is our last night. We've had a very successful meeting so far, and I look forward to another fine sermon tonight from our brother Larry Fife. He made the almost 500, I think it's about 500 miles, isn't it? 500-mile trip from Cary, North Carolina to here to uh, uh, hold this meeting for us, and we appreciate him doing that. We're appreciative of his good wife, uh, Larissa. Uh, We're glad that Christian could be here, along with Haley and Myra, their two young daughters. Of course, they have an older son in college, Tyler, could not make the trip, but uh, they have four children. They do a great work at the Cary Church of Christ over in North Carolina. They did a wonderful work the past seven years in Alabama. And we appreciate what they're doing here for us tonight. So as we finish up our gospel meeting, let's keep uh, Brother Larry and his family in our prayers as they travel back uh, home. And we look forward to uh, getting to see them again sometime in the future. Brother, come speak to us. I love the Church of Christ. And because I love the church, that means I love you. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for the wonderful week and your patience with me, even though uh, it started out a little rough for me at the beginning. Uh, but uh, I don't wish that on anybody, I'm telling you. But I appreciate your patience and certainly your kindness and love for me and my family and uh, your wonderful words and just your embracing us. And, uh, you know, the wonderful thing, uh, though it says White Oak out here and it says Carrie where I'm at, we're still all members of the same church And we're families of the same body, and for that I'm grateful for which Christ is the head, as we see in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. But uh, thank you for loving us, and and certainly uh, if we don't see each other again on this side of heaven, I look forward to seeing you again on the other side. But uh, I also want to thank Rick uh, for his hospitality, his love. Uh, Like I told you from the beginning, I love Rick dearly and Nicole and their four girls. And uh, it seems just like yesterday that we were in school together and and having a good time and cutting up. but most importantly, uh, learning how to be gospel preachers and, and learning how to, to teach people the gospel and, and learning how to save souls. Uh, and for that, I'll ever be indebted to Rick. Uh, you've got a wonderful gospel preacher. Uh, he will work his fingernails uh, down to nothing for you. Uh, but you have to keep him in line. Uh, the best thing, if, if you want to know, uh, Rick really likes hair products. Um, so if you're looking for something for Christmas for him, uh, I suggest any type of hair product. So <laughs> I couldn't get out of here without one more jab, brother. You know I love you. <laughs> and like I said, I love the Lord's church. Um, but I think all of us go through sometimes in our lives where we struggle. Perhaps we question our faith. Uh, perhaps the world makes us question our faith. Uh, But whatever the case is, there always seems to be a delay when somebody begins to struggle in their life as a Christian. Uh, Inevitably, whatever that delay is, whatever's keeping them from the church, uh, and sometimes, though, many people will continue to attend out of habit. Uh, Maybe it's because they don't want to hear from the preacher. Maybe it's because they don't want to listen to the other members around them question or call them or whatever the case might be, but others just gradually grow weak and they move away. Whatever the case might is or whatever the case might be, sometimes we all have an excuse for what makes us turn our back on the church. Uh, but tonight I want to talk to you about five reasons why I won't quit the church. Um, these are reasons I looked for as... I grew as a gospel preacher, as I grew as a Christian, and as I was growing stronger in my faith and something that I continue to work on every single day. Brethren, I will tell you, just because a man stands behind this pulpit doesn't mean he doesn't struggle with sin and doesn't mean he doesn't struggle with the devil too. Because the devil is trying to get at us just as much as he's trying to get at you. He doesn't care what your title is. He doesn't care where you work. And he certainly doesn't care for which congregation you attend. He just wants you on his side. 
But because of that, there's things that we can look forward to, not only because of the reward that we're promised in Revelation 2 and verse 10, but mainly there are things that we can look forward to in understanding what God is blessing us with. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 and verse 28 that every good or, or rather all these things that work out to God's what purpose that are called according to His purpose. All these things work out for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So if we follow the established plan that God gives us, we certainly know what those blessings are going to be. But tonight I want to talk to you specifically about five reasons why I won't quit the church. And five reasons, I hope, of why you won't give up on the church tonight too. And I hope these will help you as these things have helped me to have a better perspective of things that we can look forward to and things that we can look at that help us grow stronger in our Christian faith. And from that perspective, I don't want you to give up on the church. Reason number one. The church is a term that refers to people, and brethren, I'm not going to give up on people. It's easy to let go of the church when you think of the church as an institution or a power or a building or whatever you know other um, title or adjective perhaps you want to attach to it, whatever the case is. But until we continue and start thinking of the church like the body that it is and that the church is made up of people, it's easy for us to turn our back on a building. It's easy for us to turn our back on an institution. You see, people who are not perfect bear the divine image of God and the infinite worth that God says that we are to Him. And when we continue to look at the church as a body of people, of loving people of which Christ is that head that we talked about in Ephesians 5, and we understand that and we know that we're all people of the same family, we don't turn our back on family. We talked about it a, a few nights ago concerning the trials and the temptations and the struggles that we go through. But the Bible tells us in Galatians 6 that we are to bear one another's burdens. And when we do that, we're fulfilling His law because of the family that we belong to. But sometimes we turn our back on our family. But since God Himself is never going to give up on us, as a matter of fact, He said, I'll give you my son because I'm not going to give up on you. And because God is not going to give up on us, brethren, why would we give up on those that are sitting next to us. But here's the other thing. Many times we place uh, undue titles on individuals in the world because perhaps they don't think like we do. Maybe they don't look like we do, and maybe they don't act like we do. But at the same time, brethren, we also have to understand those people have souls too. But when we think about in, in retrospect, really what we're talking about concerning God's family, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13:5 that God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And because God is never going to leave us and because God is never going to turn his back on us, why would I turn my back on my own family? You know, it breaks my heart sometimes. And, you know, I've known guys that have gone to preaching school that had to basically turn their back on their family because their family disowned them because they became members of the church. Can you imagine that? That somebody says, you know what? If you put on Christ in baptism, if you continue to serve the Lord, I don't want to have any part of you. Would you continue to serve the Lord? Sure you would. But at the same time, we can't give up on those who are serving and standing by us that are wearing the same coat of armor that we are in the Lord's church that continue to serve with the same army of which we've enlisted into by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You think about what 1 John 3 and verse 1, what greater love God hath bestowed upon us that we should be called His children. There's no greater blessing that's been bestowed upon us that we are called children of God, all because of what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. So brethren, I'm not going to turn my back on you. So we certainly shouldn't turn our back on those that are in the church that might be struggling. 
You know, the question I like, to, I like to often ask is, if somebody comes back to the church, will we welcome them with open arms? We should. Or will we have this preconceived idea based upon what we know they've been doing out in the world? Is that going to temper our thoughts on how we should be treating them? I pray it's not the case because we can't give up on them. Because, brethren, as we say, walk a mile in their shoes before you judge anybody. We can't judge unrighteously. The Bible tells us judging is okay based upon a righteous judgment, but we cannot judge intentions. But many times the case is, as often is the way we think, because we go the way of the world, because we allow the world to temper our thoughts, what is we begin to take in the thoughts of what man says, and we judge our fellow Christians by what man says rather than what the Bible says. And brethren, shame on us if we do that. Because if somebody comes home, as we talked about last night, the prodigal son didn't say, well, I would go back, but people are just going to make fun of me. That's not what he said. He came home because he knew the love of the Father was going to be there. But brethren, we can't give up on the church because the church is not filled with perfect people. We're imperfect people in the body of Christ serving the perfect head of the church, and that's Jesus. But brethren, I'm not going to quit the church because I don't want people because the church is made up of people and I'm not going to give up on people. I'm also part of the church and part of why it's often broken. And brethren, I don't want you to give up on me. Sometimes I too make mistakes, as we all do. The Bible tells us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you and that means me. And because I'm not going to give up on you, I don't want you giving up on me when I make mistakes and when I fall short sometimes. Like it or not, if you're baptized into the body of Christ, you are a member of the Lord's church. You are part of this family. And brethren, the way I look at it, if you go astray, I'm going to come get you. Why? Because I love you. And the same thing I would expect in return, if I went astray, I would want you to come after me. But we so easily give up on those who turn their back on the Lord's church, and sometimes I don't understand that. You think about a child who gets lost in the world because of drugs or whatever other sin might be the case. Do we as parents give up on them? Shake your head like this? No. We continue to pray for them. We love them because they are our children. That's the way God looks at us too. But because we don't give up on them, I don't want you giving up on me either. You see, what I also understand is that I'm not perfect and that I make mistakes. But brethren, like 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells me, I'm thankful for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed me from my sins. I remember one of our instructors told us as we're getting ready to graduate, he said, brethren, do me a favor. If you find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll just mess it up. You know why he said that? Because there is no perfect congregation. They don't exist. Because each of us has our quirks and our flaws and our problems. But you see, collectively as a family, we are the united body of Jesus Christ for which he died for. And because we're part of that body, again, we're part of that family. I want you to listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. You think about Paul's past and his shortcomings and all the things that he did in persecuting the church. And one thing I love about the Apostle Paul was he was always willing to put himself out there and say, look at me and the things I used to do. Paul never bragged or was, uh, was boasting upon himself because he was better than anybody else. He was saying, look... I've done all these things in the past, and because I understood where I come from, I know where I need to be going. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14? Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, and I press toward the calling or the prize of the calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. 
Paul understood he wasn't going to continue to look over his shoulder, but he knew where he came from and where it was going to get him to where he needed to go, and that was the prize of heaven. But look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles. Paul said, I'm not any better than any of these other men. You think about Peter and his political correctness, and that's something that he wasn't when you think about his sermon that he preached on Pentecost. You think about him denying his Lord or Paul having to publicly, what? Deny him because he was a hypocrite in front of the other Jews. But you think about all the other shortcomings of all the other apostles. And Paul said, I'm least of all of these individuals. All of these men, tax collectors and all these other individuals, I'm not even good to be called one of them. But Paul said, for I'm the least of the apostles that I am even meet to be called an apostle. Brethren, he said, I don't even think I'm worthy for you to call me an apostle, one that sin of Jesus Christ. But he said, because I persecuted the church of God, but he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Brethren, all of us sit here today and we are, because of God's grace, what we are. We are because of what Jesus Christ did for us as a body of His people. We're imperfect, but thank God, by God's grace, we are who we are today. And brethren, that's a blessing in and of itself. God doesn't look down and, in, 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 and want perfection. But what He wants is a people who loves Him and is willing to serve Him as a body of His Son. Paul goes on to say, "...by His grace..." which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but he said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul said, I knew what gift I was given by God himself, and I was willing to work my fingers to the bone because of it. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul said, even the things I did for the Lord wasn't me, but God who was working through me. Again, go back to Galatians 2 and verse 20. Paul said he was crucified, and because he was crucified, it was Christ who was in him, not him. And he was working daily because of what Christ was and what Christ did for him. I think by God's grace, brethren, I might have some potential. And I think by God's grace, you also have potential yourself. But sometimes, don't we just need to see it? Sometimes I think we need to look in the mirror and realize who our Father is. You know, I'm thankful for my parents. Uh, one thing that I, that I loved about my parents was it didn't matter what I said I wanted to do in life. My parents always said, we'll support you in whatever you want to do. My mom said, if you want to be a ditch digger, be the best one you can be. And we'll support you in being a ditch digger. But they said, if you do it, you better put everything into it. God does the same thing for us as His children, but He wants us to put everything into His church. But sometimes we lack in that because we're humans, and that's okay. But at the same time, brethren, because we're members of the church, we can't give up on each other. I'm not going to give up on you, and I know you're not going to give up on me. You know, one thing I love about your preacher is that sometimes he just calls me to ask me how I'm doing. Brother, how's your work going? You staying out of trouble? You see, that's what it means to be a family in the body of Christ. And brethren, I'm not going to give up on you, and I certainly hope that you're not going to give up on me. Another reason I'm not going to give up on the church is because I'm willing to give up on its mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like it or not, Brethren, we're all part of that body, just like I said. But the mission of the Lord's church is beautiful, and we have the privilege of spreading that good news. What greater gift is there that we might tell people about what somebody did for me on an old wooden cross some 2,000 years ago? But sometimes we shy away from it. Maybe it's because we don't know how to talk to people. Maybe it's because we shun away because, like I said, they're a little different than we are. You know, my wife put me in my place a couple of weeks ago. Can you imagine that, my wife putting him in my place? 
I'm six foot seven, she's five one, and she does a pretty good job at it. But we went to a particular store in North Carolina, and this is something I'm having to get used to after spending seven years in the country in Alabama, but being back in the city again. We stopped at a particular store that she likes to go into, and as we're checking out, there were two men dressed as women. The whole issue of transgender that we're dealing with today and the issue of homosexuality and all these other things that are knocking on the door of the church that we're having to address. Did it turn my stomach? I'll be honest with you. Yes, it did. It's not something I'm used to seeing. But, you know, I didn't say anything. We walked out of the church and, or, or we walked out of, the, out of the building. We're walking back to the car and I just kind of shook my head. And my wife said, you know, honey, we are in the city now because she knew what I was feeling. But she also said, and she was absolutely right, they need the gospel too. Don't they need the gospel? Though we don't agree with their lifestyle, though, though we don't agree with sin, sin still at face value is sin. Whether you're a liar, whether you're a cheat, whether you're a gambler, whether you're a former alcoholic, whether you're homosexual, whatever the case is, all those sins are sins in God's sight, and they need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't get to pick and choose who hears the gospel. Because, brethren, aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you? I am. I'm thankful that I was raised in a Christian home. My grandfather was a gospel preacher. My mother raised me in the Lord's church. I'm thankful that I had parents that were willing to raise me up and do that. My father wasn't reared in the church, but my mother taught him the gospel. And he's now a faithful member of the Lord's church where they live. So we can't pick and choose on who we want to hear the gospel. I remember we went door knocking one time in Commerce, Georgia, and we'd gone down and we were going down in this particular neighborhood, and there was a police officer with us that was on the Commerce Police Department. And he said, you know, we, we can't go down there. And I said, why can't we go down there? Well, well, that's a dangerous neighborhood. I said, you got a gun on your hip? But I said, why is it that we can't go down there, and what makes it that they shouldn't hear the gospel more than anybody else? Just because we might not feel safe, does that mean that we still can't share the good news of Jesus Christ with them? You think when brethren went out and, or when Jesus was going out and teaching individuals that didn't care for him very much? Do you think he was concerned with that? Or the apostles, they went out two by two that they weren't concerned for their safety? You see, brethren, we have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes in teaching people the gospel and opening the doors of opportunity because you never know who might say yes to Jesus Christ. And brethren, it's not for me to decide who gets to say yes. The only thing the Bible tells me to do is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to what? Every creature. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel, brethren. And how dare I pick and choose who I might share it with. So I'm not going to give up on the church because there might be one soul out there that I have the opportunity of running across and teaching them about who Jesus is. And if that's the only person I ever saved, then brethren, I did my job. But I've got to take the opportunity to do it. And I can't pick and choose what that might be. So don't give up on the opportunities that's been afforded you by God. Don't give up on the great responsibilities that He's given us. Sometimes we forget that that's a commandment. It's not a choice that we get to make. It's a commandment that God has given us when He says go. That means you and that means me. So we've got to take that opportunity to do that. I'm also not going to give up on the church because Jesus promised that even the gates of hell would not defeat the church and brethren, I'm not going to give up on Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, And upon this rock I will build my church, and there's nothing that's going to knock it down. And I'm thankful for that. But think about the pain and agony that Jesus went through on the cross of Calvary and what he suffered on my behalf, and that I'm willing to turn my back on what he did for me. Brethren, shame on me. 
but you see to give up on the church as if it's broken beyond repair or broken in, in its absolutely failing would be to completely discount the promise that Jesus made for us. Jesus is that chief cornerstone upon which the church is founded. And brethren, it went through struggles and difficulties 2,000 years ago, and it goes through struggles and difficulties today. But guess what? The church still stands strong today. I think sometimes we tend to get down on it and we play the woe is me card because of the world in which we live. Think about the first century Christians and what they went through in Rome and how they were treated and persecuted and beat down and mocked and ridiculed and everything else because of who they were following. Yet here's the church 2,000 years later that Jesus said would continue to stand until he called it home. And it's still standing today. So brethren, we can't give up on that which Jesus promised. We can't give up on that which Jesus makes us part of because of his precious blood. Again, you think about Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39 that we talked about on Sunday morning. Again, Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall I not with him also freely give us all things? All the promises that he made to the son are the same promises that he gives to us. So brethren, there's a reason I'm not going to give up on the church because Jesus is that church. And because Jesus is that church of which he is the head and over, I'm not going to give up on him because I know he's not going to give up on me. Again, we talked about the prodigal son last night. Do you think the father ever stopped looking for the shadow of the son as he was coming over the hill? No, he wasn't. He was always looking and waiting and hoping that his son would break the, the top of that hill and come home. And when he did, he didn't stay on the porch and wait. He ran to him. So because Jesus was willing to die in my stead to pay a debt that I can never pay, brethren, I can't give up on him. I'm not going to give up on him. And as no, it doesn't matter how difficult or how hard it gets, I understand. But we understand also that we walk by faith and not by sight. But also I'm unwilling to give up on the church because I can make a difference. By and large, people within the church are more fulfilled in their service to God when they sense that God is using them. When we know we're fulfilling a purpose for the Lord's church and we're making a difference, we want to serve. But what begins to happen is we begin to wane in our service because we don't feel like we're worth anything or whatever the case might be. And churches with high expectations of their members are more likely to draw people back into the fold. We have to expect things of people to make them successful in the church. But we can't give up on them. We can't allow them to give up on themselves. And we have to show them and ourselves that we have potential to do things for the Lord. It doesn't matter what that talent might be. Not everybody can be a gospel preacher. Not everybody can be a song leader. Not everybody can say a prayer. But brethren, we can all do something in the service to His kingdom. No matter how small that might be, whether it's sweeping a floor or vacuuming or preparing the Lord's Supper, whatever that is, you're doing something in His stead. And He depends on us for those things. But sometimes we think, well, it's small, or I can be lost in the crowd, or this one, somebody else will do it for me. Brethren, that's laziness, and God doesn't tolerate laziness. We have to step up and say, this is how I need to be used, or when we're asked to do something that I'm willing to serve and get out of my comfort zone. Brethren, you want to, you, I'll tell you how, how I came to preach the very first time. The preacher at the small congregation we were attending in Tennessee came up and said, you're preaching next Sunday, I'm going to be out of town. Huh? I said, I don't know how to preach. He said, you better learn, you're preaching next Sunday. Guess what? Not six months later, I was in preaching school. All because maybe he saw something that I didn't see in myself. 
But whatever it was, I got the bug and I wanted to keep on preaching. The first time I led singing, the song leader didn't show up. When you're in a small congregation, generally you have one man that leads singing. If he's sick, somebody else has got to step up. And brethren, I'm not a song leader, I'm a song starter. But guess what? I had to learn how to lead singing that day. Was I comfortable with it? Did I mess it up? Oh, I slaughtered it. But you know what? The brethren helped carry me and we sang together as a body of God's people. Why? Because we're family. No, I didn't do a great job at it. I knew, even though all those wonderful ladies in the church said I was just the best singer they ever heard, I said, y'all all need to repent now. <laughs> but at the same time, we can make a difference in the Lord's church. But we also have to understand that we can't give up. It's possible that we make mistakes in our lives, but are we so focused on our lives that we fail to deal with those things that really matter when it comes to serving the Lord? Don't allow life to get in the way of your Christianity. Don't allow life to stop you from your goal of going to heaven and spending eternity with God. And no matter how difficult life gets, no matter how much you might struggle, don't ever, ever, ever give up. Just as that picture shows, that frog ain't going to let go. And we also in life can't allow the devil to swallow us whole in serving the Lord's church. Brethren, the Lord loves us beyond anything that we can imagine because of what He did for us at Calvary. Something that we can't even begin to fathom. No matter how many times I read the crucifixion account in the Bible, I still can't grasp the fathom of God's love for me, a sinner unclean. Yet God didn't give up on me, and I can't give up on Him. And because I won't give up on the church, brethren, you can't give up on the church either. You see, one day I hope that we all get to spend eternity and rejoice together in eternity. But it's all up to each of us individually on how we're going to get there. Am I going to serve Him faithfully, knowing that I struggle along the way and I make mistakes, but 1 John 1, 7 says it's that blood that keeps on cleansing and wipes those mistakes away? Am I going to allow my family to lift me up when I fall? Am I going to be there to pick those up who are hurting themselves? Of course I am. But brethren, remember this. The Lord loves you more than you love yourself. So much so, He said, I want you with me forever. But the choice is ours tonight. If you've given up on the church already, if you're struggling with your Christianity tonight, come home. Come back to God. Come back to the family that loves you. A family that's not going to judge you or have any preconceived notions upon where you used to be, come home. Because this is where God wants you. Or if it is the case that you're here tonight and you're not part of God's family, but you want to be part of it, come home tonight. Put on Christ in baptism first, repenting of your sins. Confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And put on Christ in baptism, Acts 2, 38. What are you waiting on? Why not be part of a family that loves you more than you can even fathom? Come home tonight as together we stand and as we sing.